70s and early uh, 80s, the boom years of the video game industry. Thank you. And my game system was the Magnavox Odyssey 2. Yes. Sleek, stylish, futuristic, and totally underappreciated. Oh, Let's change that. Do it, I'll dig through the Odyssey 2 library, introduce you to each game, offer a few of my own expanded memories of playing them both then and now, and we'll see if those games hold up today. Amazing. I'm Earl Green, and this is Select Game. <laughs> Welcome back, Select Game listeners and viewers, because you can be a viewer now, that's right. This is the first Select Game that is going to not only exist as an audio podcast, but also as a visual experience on YouTube, which, um, you know, it's... It's something that's been brought up many times. Okay, we can hear you playing the games, but we can't see you playing the games. Can you do something about this? And, yeah, this is my attempt to do something about it. The truth is, going all the way back to stuff like uh, Starcade and whatnot, I always thought the Odyssey 2 was worthy of a television show of its own. And, uh, you know, of course, that's what I thought when I was eight, nine, ten years old. So, I guess now that I'm uh, 40-something <clears throat> years old, it's um, it's time I did something about it myself. The show is not going to make itself. So, we're back. Uh, first off, I'm glad everyone really dug the Odyssey 3 episode that came out most recently. The uh, I was kind of worried about that one because it's a, it's a very talky thing. You know, we played one game and the rest of it was, you know, this number. And, uh, you know, just non-stop talk. <laughs> so, I'm glad everyone dug that as much as they did. Um, a huge thanks to the people involved in unearthing that info and in bringing it to my attention, because if that wasn't a topic that was made for this show, I have no idea what is. Also, this show is a topic that can really only happen on an Odyssey 2 podcast because we're going to get back to playing Odyssey 2 games. First off, though, I have a I have a listener letter. You don't have these uh, nearly awesome, often enough. So uh, let's get right to it. This one is from Airshack on Atari Age. He said, Hi, Earl. I just discovered your podcast and have enjoyed the coverage of Odyssey 2. I had my first O2 system in 1978 when I was 14. Thank you for a fun listen. I want you to know I appreciate your show and value the time I spend listening. The real reason I'm writing is because I feel you completely blew the coverage of Odyssey 2 football. Seriously? Before O2, we had Mattel Electronics' handheld red LED football, and of course the blinky train wreck that is Atari VCS football. I just want to note that he said that, not me. <laughs> Although, I kind of agree with him. Back to the letter here. I grew up near Detroit in the 1970s, where every boy in my neighborhood played the actual games of hockey, baseball, and football, weather permitting, of course. We had that neighborhood where there was always enough boys to assemble two teams and play a variation of any sport. We loved sports. I sucked at most of them, yet grew up with a real love for playing, watching, and talking about these games. Of course, when Mattel and the others started to come out with the handheld electronic sports games, well, I purchased and played most of them along with my friends. We loved them, especially Mattel Electronics football. The Odyssey 2 blew us all away when it came out because it had football and baseball. These two games were better than Atari and much more interesting and realistic when compared to the handhelds of the day. Baseball and football on the Odyssey 2 were the games that sold systems in our neck of the woods, the killer apps that ruled neighborhood electronic gameplay until the Intellivision came out. During a few harsh Detroit winters, I remember competing endlessly with my friends via Odyssey 2 football and baseball. We loved the other sports titles as well as the space and arcade-style games. Still, these two sports titles were mandatory in everyone's library. To hear you dismiss football to me is to hear you completely misunderstand the game. It's well-written, and the complexity of play-calling on both sides of the ball was balanced well with a necessary simplicity which was needed to keep things simply fun. Wow. You need to reconsider this game. Sincerely, Air Shack from Atari Age. 
So first off, this is a great, this is a great piece of listener feedback because it really illustrates something that I'm not sure I have successfully gotten across at any point before now. And that is that while the intro, which was recorded a few years ago, says it's, you know, my expanded memories of the Odyssey 2, it's really meant to be more than just mine. I'm trying to do a better job of announcing ahead of time which games will be covered in forthcoming episodes. Uh, this one, for example, you've known for at least a couple of months because life keeps happening to me, and for life you can uh, read other four-letter words as well. But uh, it's been known for quite a while that we'll be playing Looney Balloon and P.T. Barnum's Acrobats in this episode of Select Game because they are both games dealing with balloons. And also know that I'm not done covering sports games. Now, what happened, in case you don't remember what, uh, what Airshack is referring to, was that I was doing an all-sports game podcast. This was, I think, a couple of years ago now. And... I think this was one of the 2017 episodes. And uh, my, I plugged in my football cartridge to the console, and nothing happened because apparently it has fallen victim to bit rot. And knowing me, I probably made some pithy comment along the lines of, oh, well, that's no great loss, and moved on to the next game. You know, it was kind of a, it was kind of a live radio moment that I could have edited out, but didn't. Maybe I should have. I don't know. One of the things, one of the points of this podcast, and now show, and, you know, hope you can <laughs> forgive the side of anything on your screen that is not an Odyssey 2 game. I'm really sorry about that part. Um, one of the points of the show is to see if my memories hold water against the reality of playing the games fresh now. And that goes for sports games and any other games, really. So, you know, rest assured that when I do get back to doing sports games, and there probably will be yet another all-sports game show in the very near future, because this has me, uh, this has me intrigued, like maybe I have missed something. I will be giving football a fresh play, and... I might surprise myself. I might love it. I'm not the world's biggest football fan in real life. Um, partly because I think a lot of things that have nothing to do with football have eclipsed trying to follow football. And also because occasionally teams that I do like uh, go through very long dry spells, but more about the Arkansas Razorbacks later. Uh, you have to keep in mind, I spent a couple of years working and living in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and you either <laughs> you either demonstrated some knowledge of football on the spot when requested, or they chased you out of town with pitchforks. Not really, but it, it was kind of like that. You know, you would arrive and they'd be like, oh, so, you know, you like the Packers, don't you? You know, sort of like a line from Ghostbusters, when someone asks you if you're a Packers fan and you live in Green Bay now, you say yes. So I'm not completely averse to football, but I've run into very few sports games of any kind that really match the experience of watching or actually playing. I've played when I was a much younger and much thinner man than I am now. I played my fair share of basketball and soccer. Now, I used to joke you know, about basketball that you know, since I was short, I wound up being the ball. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, some of these things are actually fun to play, they're fun to do, and what I look for in a sports title is something that replicates that experience. So, it could be that I have, you know, perhaps a slight bias against football, since it's not my favorite sport to be involved in in real life. Of course, I have two sons that I'm raising, that may yet change, I may, you know, ask me again in about five six, eight years, I may be the biggest football fan you've ever seen all of a sudden. You know, Star Trek, what? And so, you know, things change. And my opinion of Odyssey 2 football may change. Now, I'm looking forward to going back to it to see what I missed. 
because now I have a feeling I missed something. And you may uh, you may rest assured that your fellow Select Game listener, Karen Overstreet, who was going to be part of the uh, she was part of the crew getting ready to put together the Wizards of Odyssey podcast, which I hope is not a dead in the water thing. I can't be the only person who has memories and thoughts of the Odyssey 2 and video pack to share. Uh, she supplied me with a fresh working cartridge for football, so I have no excuse. I have to circle back and play it now. So, um, thanks, Airshack, for the feedback. That's a great letter, and that's a great example of how not everything matches my experience of playing this. You know, I, I'm a sci-fi nut. In fact, I've just been marveling at the fact over here that I'm watching a live computer-generated follow-along of the New Horizons space probe as it gets close to a piece of flotsam and jetsam from the early days of the solar system that is over four billion miles away. Yeah, that's my thing. And so, yes, I am going to gravitate toward cosmic conflict and UFO and that sort of thing. And that's just me. But I also want to give all the games a fair shake, which is why you see me playing them live, you know, sometimes for the first time in years. And, you know, and I don't I don't crap all over all sports games because if you remember, I am a huge fan of baseball and computer golf on the Odyssey 2. Not least of which is because I have very fond memories of time spent with family attached to those games. So, rest assured, we will be we'll be doubling back and catching up with football. I'm sorry about what happened the first time I tried to play it. It was one of those things that just happens when you're doing everything live with the mic. <laughs> you know, and the uh, the digital equivalent of the tape rolling and the mic open, and you're determined not to go back and redo the whole thing. And so you wind up with little live radio moments like that. So, yes, and now I'm, now I'm intrigued. Challenge accepted. So, that being said, we will... Uh, move on now to the games we'll be covering in this episode, which are, and this is kind of funny that I'm uh, reaching over here for the cartridges, because I can do that now, because <laughs> I have a set. I'm going to be playing P.T. Barnum's Acrobats, and if I can get over the reflection there, obviously this is a Brazilian copy of Looney Balloon. It was called Looney Balloon in Europe, and in a criminal piece of oversight. Looney Balloon was never issued for the Odyssey 2 in the U.S. under any title. It was issued for the video pack in Europe. It was issued for the Odyssey in South America. You have to keep in mind, the original Magnavox Odyssey never happened as far as, as, far as the South American market was concerned. It never existed. And so what we call the Odyssey 2 was simply the Odyssey in the South American market, which was chiefly Brazil. And so that's where my copy comes from, because um, one thing about importing a lot of video pack games is you run into the PAL versus NTSC problem, whereas your Brazilian games, your South American Odyssey titles, were encoded to display in a, a subset of the PAL video scheme called PAL-M, which is close enough to NTSC for jazz, and Odyssey 2 will play it and will display it correctly. So, now it's kind of Let's get down to business and play some games. We opened the show with a discussion of differing experiences to do with things that, you know, back in the 80s, most people thought all oh, boys should be doing anyway. I'm kind of, I'm glad we are over the the nerd versus jock wars. And it's not that either side is won. I think I think what's actually happened, you know, some people claim victory for the geeks of the world. I think what's actually happened is we've realized that sports fans have been geeking out over sports the way that us geeks have been geeking out over geeky things. And so that brings me to my memory of P.T. Barnum's Acrobats. Now, 
I got this game and Casey Munchkin and the Voice of Odyssey 2 all at the same time on the same night. And rather unusually, I can tell you right now that that evening was Sunday, February 26th, 1983. Is it because I have a receipt? No. It's because I've looked up on the internet here that that was the night that CBS gave Star Wars its very first airing on network TV. So, how does this factor into <laughs> Odyssey 2 memories? Well, let me also explain this. I was also in uh, Cub Scouts and then in Weebelows for quite a long time. And there was an annual event where all of the Cub Scouts and Weeblow Scouts and Boy Scouts packs and troops in northern Arkansas would converge at a spot near the Buffalo River for the annual Jamboree. And we were talking about an event that had occurred in... Uh, probably in the fall of 82 when it was starting to get cold. I was, you know, pretty serious about being a, you know, the Wolf Scout or Bear Scout and then the Wolf Scout and then the Weebelows. I, I never made it to Boy Scout or Eagle Scout. But I do remember the Jamboree in 1982 was happening just as it was starting to get seriously cold in the evenings. And the the reason this is such a flashpoint memory for me is that I went to this thing to compete with my you know my fellow scouts with you know my troop at my side hopefully making up for my shortcomings <laughs> in various survival skills like tying knots and what have you I was the only one from my troop who showed up. Uh, our scoutmaster was there. His son, who was a member of the troop, had something else going. Some I forget what it was. I was about to say it was some sporting event or something. I don't honestly remember. But it was something where, you know, the kid was required to be elsewhere. But this poor dad had to discharge his duties as our uh, our pack leader and so we went to this uh, this jamboree event all outdoors all involving you know tying knots climbing ropes things like that I was already a fat kid in 1982 I didn't do very well at this thing I I didn't think I did very well at this thing and you know, I, I just, you know, when I say that I was hoping that my my fellow scouts from my pack would help to uh, compensate for my shortcomings, I'm not kidding. That pr probably was very much my thinking at the time. My dad took me to this thing, and we were horrified to learn that I was the only one there. Actually, now that I remember it, now that I remember it, I'm remembering it wrong. Our pack leader was not there. His son had something else to do, and he didn't even show up. It was just me and my dad. We were representing whatever the Weebelows pack from Fort Smith, Arkansas, you know, from the, from the elementary schools on the north side of Fort Smith, Arkansas. That was us, me and my dad. And I went to this thing, and I was failing all over the place. I remember they had a big bonfire at the end of this event, which was great because I was freezing cold. And I was nervous and I was scared and I was disappointed because I knew I hadn't done too well. And they still gave me a special award for being the one kid who showed up. And uh, that was it for me in scouting. Now you're probably wondering, in the world does any of this have to do with the Odyssey 2 
and in particular with P.T. Barnum's Acrobats. Let me, uh, you know, let me kind of tie that story off a little bit. Um, there was some sort of scouting event on Sunday, February 26th. You know, it was the first big scouting event that I was expected to take part in uh, because we had sat out the winter because, you know, inclement weather in 1983, I suppose, in 1982 into 83. And so that Sunday was an event that I was expected to attend in my capacity as a Weebelow Scout. And it just so happened that for whatever reason, my parents had gotten the voice, they got Casey Munchkin, and they got this very copy of P.T. Varnum's Acrobats. This very one. I don't think there... I, I have to do my customary check for some sort... I don't think there really is a way to get a high score. It's kind of like Alien Invaders Plus. You know, it's somewhere between 1 or 10, or you're dead. <laughs> But, so, you know, basically I got the, the Voice of Odyssey starter kit. That may have been, actually, they may have tried to get those for me for Christmas of 82. But for whatever reason, you know, because they were ordering them through the local Sears. Just kind of funny, I'm recording this as, uh, as Sears is going extinct. The, uh, you know, the items may not have gotten there in time for Christmas because... <laughs> It's just Fort Smith, Arkansas. Who cares? You know, someone in Tampa needs this voice of Odyssey, too. So, my parents kind of sat me down, and, you know, because I was mentally stealing myself for this scouting thing that I didn't want to be doing. And my parents, especially my mom, because she had, she in particular had been infuriated by how the jamboree had unspooled. And... She gave me the choice of either going to this thing that I was dreading or, you know, staying home and playing with these new toys that they just happened to have just gotten in. And also that night was the network TV premiere of Star Wars on CBS, which wasn't the, you know, it wasn't like this was only the second time I'd seen it. We had a, the, our neighbors next door, the PV houses had one of those CED players, sort of the, uh, the runner-up to Laserdisc, and one of the titles that they had for that was Star Wars. And so, you know, anytime my folks had to go somewhere, I would wind up over at the PB houses eating PB&Js and watching Star Wars over and over again. You know, I had the movie memorized by the time it showed up on CBS. I think my mom was just trying to give me an out. She had picked up on the fact that this no longer thrilled me and that the, you know, the Jamboree experience especially had just broken my love. You, you know, like you can, you can cleave a rock in half and wind up with a geode. It, it had broken my love of scouting cleanly, just like that. And so I think she was wanting to give me the out and, uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you, being the, the nerdy fat kid that I already was, I took it. So, you know, I stayed home. My dad fixed chili dogs, probably. And, uh, you know, we played Odyssey and watched Star Wars. And P.T. Barnum's Acrobats is one of the games that we played. Now, P.T. Barnum's Acrobats was programmed by Jim Butler, who was a member of the Odyssey West group, working out of Knoxville, Tennessee. And... You probably already know this if you are a gamer of a certain age, but P.T. Barnum's Acrobats was not a new game concept by any stretch of the imagination. It was actually a very old one. It originated in 1978 as an arcade game by Bally Midway called Clowns. I distinctly remember that Exidy had a very similar game out very soon afterward called Circus. Now, I'm trying to remember if Midway's game came out first or if Exidy's game came out first. Either way, P.T. Barnum's Acrobats combines everything about those two already nearly identical titles. Uh, slathers some Voice of Odyssey too, taunting and encouraging over it. And you wind up with... And, and 
Now, there was something very interesting about this. In Europe, the game was simply called Acrobats, and when you plug the cartridge into your machine, it simply says Acrobats. This was the first one that did not say... I, this was the first one, aside from maybe Computer Intro, that did not say Select Game on the screen. It said Acrobats. Now, Acrobats was also the title of the game in Europe, but the packaging in the U.S. and all of the marketing was P.T. Barnum's Acrobats. And they did indeed have to license that name from, you know, Barnum and Bailey Circus. You know, whichever commercial enterprise owned that. And so, in some ways, I think P.T. Barnum's Acrobats was kind of a, a trial balloon. <laughs> balloon. For the notion of licensing something. This was during the run-up to Turtles. And so I think North American Phillips was... It's almost like, you know, we've never licensed anything before. How do I license? And we wound up with P.T. Barnum's Acrobats. So, with that in mind, let's play. Alright, so here we are with P.T. Barnum's Acrobats. This is the basic game where the balloons are not moving. Um, in the European market, again, this was known as Acrobats. It is set up to work with the voice. And one thing you will notice is that, because I'm still trying to get things set up adequately in my studio, I'm playing this in emulation, even though I do have the cartridge. So... I just wanted to go ahead and get the show done. I, I think the perfect is the enemy of the good. Hurry. And the voice is the enemy of my nerves. So let's give it what it wants. Oh, there's a... The appearing disappearing platforms. that laxative commercial. Ah! Well, that was no help. The game's running slightly oh, slow in emulation. I mean, I've closed everything I possibly can. Oh, oh it looks like I've got a uh, two-player variation going here. So, that will be both. will be players one and two. I don't know why this variation got triggered. It was something to do with commencing recording in Windows. Like I said, hopefully I will have my uh, my actual Odyssey 2 hardware. It's not that I don't have the hardware ready, it's that I haven't got the camera placement worked out yet, and I need to get a tripod. <laughs> so we're playing this at the desk in emulation probably spectacularly badly. Ah. Oh, wow, he sent him to orbit. Are you sure about that? I thought I nailed that one. Alas. As you can see, it's a it's a pretty straightforward clone of the uh, of clowns or circus or whichever one it's cloning. Oops. It's not entirely unlike Blockout and Breakdown in that you can get your Acrobat up in the air. It's also worth noting the Acrobat in this game, your, your human figures in this game, are very much non-standard. These are not the standard Odyssey 2 men. Get the red flash whenever you've successfully cleared an entire row of balloons and a new one pops up to take its place. Help! <laughs> Go for it. I am going for it, Odyssey. We'll help here. 
It's not the most challenging of games. Now you can do a variation where... Sorry. You can do a variation where the balloons are actually moving side to side. Now, the balloons, and I'm going to describe this for those of you not actually watching, but simply listening, the balloons are sort of the standard Odyssey 2 pre-programmed ball sprite, or character, really, it's not much of a sprite. Yeah, they don't animate, per se. Yeah, help. <laughs> but there is there was a variation in the European market, a variation of the game that replaced the ball sprites with uh, straight-up blocky squares. I'm not sure why that happened. I'm kind of curious about the story behind that change to the program. I mean, it's... You know the game is about a clown and a, uh, you know, a mobile... Seesaw. <laughs> you know it's about popping balloons or dying in a splattered heap on the floor. I don't know about you, but when I die in a splattered heap on the floor, I go, Help! Ah! And, uh... I, I just can't imagine someone looking at that either either in playtesting or in the executive suite at Phillips going, you know what, I'm worried that people are not going to think these are balloons. Really? Look out. I am looking out, honestly. I am trying my level best. Well, <laughs> well, that was awkward. This by you is incredible. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> a better game of P.T. Barnum's Acrobats than I expected to be playing. Now, this... This is exclusive to the YouTube version because there's no point in playing it again and saying, now they're squares. Turns out that the the square balloons were in the... They were in the Joe Pack version for the French market. And I have a cat talking to me. <laughs> Not sure why this is moving painfully slow in the end of it. My emulator doesn't speak French. But there you go, the uh, the Joe Pack version with the big square balloons. <laughs> what reasoning there might be behind that, I have no idea. You know, someone thinking, oh, you know, no one's going to recognize the balls or balloons, even though we depict a balloon on the cover and call it acrobats. Sorry about the emulator being as uh, glitchy as it is. So our our curiosity is now satisfied as to the the square balloon version. It's the French version. Well, now that's different. That's interesting. The uh, the French version depicts the <laughs> depicts the death of the acrobat differently. I I've never played this variation before, so I did not know that was coming. Um, fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> Need to die so I can see that again. <laughs> Thank you.
that's amusing. <laughs> For the okay, so we can't recognize the ball sprite as a balloon, but we can recognize that as a fallen acrobat. France, you've got some issues, don't you? We are in the thick of things already with Looney Balloon. Now, it's important to note that despite the the fairground setting of Looney Balloon, it is in fact very much based on it's another uh, near beer arcade port such as the Odyssey or Video Pack in whatever guise it chose to take excelled at. Oh, my balloon! It's so sad! It is now just a string. It's kind of hard to see here, but the, uh, the character is actually throwing a, a temper tantrum. The game mechanic of Looney Balloon is, you know, despite its fairground setting, very much based on the 1980 Taito arcade game Crazy Balloon, which doesn't really, uh... doesn't really take place in a fairground. It takes place in a more or less a cavern <laughs> of, uh, made of asterisks, really. The object of either game is to basically help your balloon survive to the end of the game. Now I'm right here next to the exit. Oh! Oh! That wind. I forgot that wind guy. Obviously I haven't played this one in a while. So there there I am throwing my tantrum. Waiting for the emulator to cycle to the beginning of the game again. If you allow the balloon to hit any wall or surface, it will pop. And, and your life as you have known it is over, for you are now bereft of balloons. Now here's the trick that the Odyssey 2 adds to the proceedings. You get extra points for indulging in the fairground rides. Now for some of them you have to release the balloon, and it will start to slowly drift away. Oh, here comes a bird. And I can't get, can't get the balloon back. Oh! How sad. Doesn't really look like a, a falling string from a balloon. It'll look kind of like bird droppings in that instance. Well. Two years later. Sorry again about the emulation. <laughs> Okay. You get bonus points for riding the uh, the various fairground attractions. Now the easiest one, kind of deceptively easy, all you have to do is get your balloon through the, uh, the slot there, and you're riding the little airplane thing. Oh, that's sad. Thing is, I... I have two little boys, one of them is four, one of them used to be four. I know, I know the pain that this game is depicting. I don't take that digital temper tantrum lightly, any more than I do the digital temper tantrum in computer golf. It is just, uh, you know, what was it they used to say in all of the Odyssey 2 marketing material? It, it simulates reality with a remarkable degree of accuracy. So, letting the balloon go for a little bit so I can go enjoy the other attractions. Let's let's go up and down the slide. 
we my uh my child here is something of a hunchback. Oh the dreaded bird. Disappointment in slow motion. Obviously, if you can get to the chute up here and escape with your balloon intact, then that's a win and you go on to the next maze. PG. Okay. Why is it PG? I thought I was running a pretty G-rated show here, but okay. Now, you can, of course, try to just bypass all of the fairground attractions. I'm going to uh, do that in this instance. And pay dearly for it. This game was released by Philips in 1983 in both the European and South American markets. The, uh, the available records that various fans and interested parties have cobbled together. Um, it's kind of interesting, no programmer is shown for this one. So we have no idea who did the coding on this game. Also, I have no idea why this didn't come out in the States unless the similarities to Crazy Balloon by Taito uh, made it perhaps too risky to too risky to drop in the American market. That's entirely possible. Yeah, you can walk past the tree. Now I wonder... Yes, let's do the merry-go-round. At great cost to our balloon. Sad. But I got more points. For each fairground attraction that you indulge in, you get more points. Uh, you get 25 points for escaping through the chute at the top. So... What let's do in an attempt to, you know, try to show something of a complete game, or try to play something of a complete game, is let's do the, let's do the airplane ride, and then let's make a beeline for the exit. As fast as we can. Dude, I said as fast as we can. Alas, it's not happening. <laughs> okay. Now, as with Crazy Balloon, as with Crazy Balloon, you have to very carefully um, time it, and you kind of have to slalom to manage to get up that chute because the string from your balloon is, uh, you know, obviously is blowing in the wind. Now, if that wind character shows up over there again, then you're you're really in deep trouble because that will completely screw up any you know any carefully orchestrated plan you had to get up that little exit. All right, so very interesting again. This, this, we have not only two games with balloons in this installment, we have two games that do not rely on the standard Odyssey 2 human or humanoid character. It's very interesting. It's almost like the programmers were acknowledging the limitations and I wasn't concentrating because I was talking. Okay, so obviously I don't think we're going to 
get a a complete <laughs> complete game of Looney Balloon in. But that is pretty much the gist of it. Now here's the interesting thing. There's a plus version of Looney Balloon for the uh, 7400 plus console that came out in Europe. I seem to have selected more or less by accident a, well, I was about to call it a more forgiving maze, but uh, I'm not sure that really bears out now, does it? I'm lousy at navigating balloons. But I just thought it was worth pointing out that there is a uh, there is a plus version. And that I'm lousy at it. Yeah, rub it in. In fact, real quick, this is going to be unusual, to say the least, but I do actually kind of want to show the inspiration for Looney Balloon, because it's, I think it's perhaps slightly more iconic than its Odyssey 2 version. So we're going to play a 1980s Looney Balloon by Taito. Now in this game, well, this moves along at a pretty good clip. You have alternate paths you can take at much greater risk to your balloon. The uh, the purple path indicates you know you will get a lot of points because that is obviously very dangerous to navigate that, and you really have to time it with the swing. I chose the easiest path, obviously, but this is the game that let's attack really it's a balloon dude let's attack let's attack oh and this one has a uh, a moving component to it <laughs> oops let's attack shall we Okay, so really, even though this game moves along at a much faster clip, at least in emulation on my PC, than uh, than Looney Balloon did in O2EM, uh, I'm no better at it. You, you really want my name? Okay, well, um, no. <laughs> so there's Crazy Balloon, that's the inspiration for Looney Balloon. While we're at it, what the heck? Let's let's give Circus a try here. As you can see, very little has been very little has been done to distinguish. Oh, it, it kind of had its own. its own voice synthesis. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting that there's a through line of the, uh, the voice synthesis here. Although I don't know if that was... <laughs> Sorry, it's a terrible sound, but also quite funny. Um, it's um. <gasps> kind of interesting that uh, they had, you know, some attempt even in 1978 to uh, to do. Uh, voice synthesis in a game, and it's kind of terrible that they uh, chose a game where uh, one of the sounds is going to have to be, 
a man crashing into the ground at high speed. I can't resist, I have to play it again. <laughs> it almost makes it sound like <laughs> one of these men, <laughs> if not both, are not willing participants in this balloon-popping circus endeavor. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I'm probably better at the Odyssey 2 version. So, friends, there you have it. <laughs> The balloon's going up, and <laughs> my score is going down. Now, the game we just played, the arcade game we just played in MAME, was Circus, which, according to the startup screen in MAME, was released in 1977 by Exidy, which is kind of what I thought. I thought Circus was the, the progenitor of that genre, if you will, and not... Uh, and not Bally Midway's Clowns, which was released in 78. But it doesn't really matter. Either way, you are going to try to send a lot of little guys into balloons, and you are going to send a lot of, a lot of little guys going splat into the ground at high velocity. So, I think I've killed enough acrobats and clowns and balloons for one day. So we're going to call it a day here at Select Game. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for watching, if you're watching. Uh, thanks for listening to my cats talking to me while I'm trying to podcast. That's always an entertaining thing to have going on in the background. Tune in next time. Select Game will, of course, be back in 2019, probably in February, and almost certainly playing more games. That's all the time we have for the Select Game Podcast. You can hear Select Game on iTunes, Stitcher, and ThrowbackNetwork.net. And you can also subscribe to the RSS feed. You'll find the podcast itself and occasional goodies associated with it at www.thelogbook.com slash selectgame. And donations for the site's upkeep and continued podcast production are always gladly accepted at patreon.com slash the logbook or via my Amazon wish lists. Feel free to drop me a line at the Facebook page for the logbook.com, via Twitter at logbookguy, or email me at earl at the logbook.com. Select Game Expanded Memories of the Odyssey 2 is a production of the logbook.com and was written and produced by Earl Green. <laughs>